You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter number 5. And when you find it, I'd ask that you'll please stand for the reading of God's Word. Again, I was a little worried. I told Brother Chad I was worried this morning when he said, started going to 1 Peter, and I'm like, I was going to have to stop him at some point. And, uh, but he, but he didn't go, he didn't go uh, to the same text there. So I'm thankful for that. And, uh, and uh, tonight we're going to read a portion of Scripture and maybe what we'll cover tonight Maybe nothing new that, and probably isn't anything new, but Peter wrote uh, in, one, in one of his letters there a very key verse. He said, I write these things to stir up your mind by way of remembrance. And uh, tonight, hopefully, we'll be able to do that, stir our minds by, by way of remembrance. And by God's grace, we'll hopefully, we'll do a little teaching, a little preaching, but also tonight... We're primarily church family here tonight. We might have a few visitors, and so we'll probably get down to just family talk, right? You ever have family talks at your, at your house? Like, okay, we have family devotions at your house. If you don't have family devotions at your house, I encourage you to do that. Sometimes it involves family talks, all right? Devotions are covered, but we also have, sometimes have to have the family meeting. You ever have those? And it might be one of those tonight where we just have a good family meeting, and that would be all right, because we are God's family if you are saved, all right, and part of his church here. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's read in First Peter chapter number 5. The elders, which are among you, I exhort, who am, an, who am also an elder. And uh, isn't that great? Peter didn't think he was super lord over anybody. He said, I'm just like one of you guys, all right? And uh, he said, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being an ensample to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, and your shepherd should be capitalized there, so that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Then verse 5, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. But notice, all of you be subject one to another. Though that verse is pretty much dealing with another thought, the principle clearly applies back to what we just read in the first four verses. Well, may God bless in the reading of his word, and you can go ahead and, uh, and be seated. <clears throat> well, when you look at this portion of, of scripture and Again, as I've mentioned in other messages, sometimes you can just look at a portion of Scripture and you know exactly what God is talking about. Uh, that sometimes you don't have to try to, to dig out what, what the truth is there or what's being revealed. 
And it's very clear that what Peter is writing to here is he is dealing with, dealing with the elders, or as we are going to see, or the pastors and their calling. It's very clear the elder or the pastor, all those terms as we'll see here, are all wrapped up uh, in here. He's dealing with that calling. And as we read a portion of scripture like that, it may be real easy for many of us to sit there and just we're just going to check out in, in all of this. Because one, you may say, well, I'm not, I don't have a pastor's calling. And uh, as you might be a man, you say, well, God's not called me into, into the full-time ministry, so to speak, as what's being used in this context. Or you may be a, a, a lady and you're saying, well, uh, I'll just save all my preaching for my husband. I'm not called to pastor a church because I believe what the Bible teaches, that ladies aren't to be the pastor of the church, doesn't mean she doesn't have a significant role. It's just her role's not to pastor a church, all right? And so it'd be real easy to sit there and take a, these verses and sit there and go, okay, we're going to talk about a pastor and his calling and what really significance does this really bear at all in my own life. And I found this uh, paragraph from a commentary, and I want you to listen carefully to this uh, paragraph, because really it's important and for us to really, as, as individuals that may not be called into the ministry or called into a pastor, to really get some meaningful uh, application out of these verses. Listen, as this commentary said this, <clears throat> Peter recognized a pastoral calling and gave instructions to those that had that calling. This means that the typical person in our churches today will feel no particular relevance to this text. However, it would be wise for the laity, so they're going to use lady, if you don't understand that, they're just church folk, all right? So, uh, so it would be wise for the lady to understand the details of a text like this. Not so that they can usurp the calling of others, but so that they may pray for their leaders, understand and sympathize with that calling, and institute policies in the church that protect such callings. You see, just as a pastor needs to understand the calling of his parishioners in order to be more effective in serving them, and I highlighted this, so the parishioner needs to understand the calling of the pastor to be better able to, or let me say that again, to understand the calling of the pastor to be able to support such a calling. Now I love that that last line is very important for us to understand this text. That the parishioner needs to understand the calling of the pastor to be able to support such a calling. And I agree with that statement. And I, and I agree with that statement uh, even more so in seeing it firsthand, being in the ministry myself and coming back here. And, and over the uh, last year or so, uh, John Spillman's not here with us, but both him and I, we had both went down to uh, Seward, Nebraska and, and filling in at Calvary Baptist Church. If you're not familiar with the whole story, there, uh, the pastor had died of covid uh, about almost a little over a year ago, is almost to the day when we started the church planning conference. He was actually supposed to be here leading music, and he died of COVID. And for a year, they were without a without a pastor. And this last Sunday, I happened to happened to be there, and they uh, had a pastor that they had uh, that they had questioned, and 
And then they voted on him and they voted in a, a pastor. So they will now have a full-time pastor, which is a blessing. And I'm very thankful for that. And I had an honest conversation with them. And they were honest of, about their situation too. The, the truth of the matter is the longer a people goes without a pastor and a church, usually the outcome isn't very positive. And I knew the longer that they went without a pastor that this was not going to be good. Know that from a previous experience in my own life, knowing what that leads to. And so the result was I was very excited that they, that they had one. I knew, I knew where they were at. And I knew that now they were in a better position moving forward because they needed to have a permanent pastor, not people filling in on Sunday morning to preach God's word because that's not the same. And you see, when I, with this in mind, I want you to just even think about our own situation here at Eastside Baptist Church. You know, I've been a part of this church for, for a long time. And I'm thankful I've been a part of this church for a, for a long time. And I'm thankful I can look out here and people I recognize from when I started going, going to church. I see Dale over here and, uh, uh, well, he, you can't hide. You're too tall, brother. I don't care how, I don't care how hard you try. You're not going to be able to hide. But uh, I'm thankful to see individuals like that that have been here the whole time. And we, I would say uh, uh, we've been thoroughly blessed with two really the two preachers that I've known here at Eastside Baptist Church, both of them unique in their own individuals, and that's how God works, and we're thankful for that. But both of them, I would say, uh, we have been equally blessed to have both Pastor Spencer and now we have Pastor uh, Jet here. Uh, with that, if you want to have a discussion about that, I'm, I'm up for it. And, uh, but I think most of us would agree, and hopefully we'd have 100% unanimous agreement that we've been really blessed to have two really good pastors that have been here. And with having such great uh, pastors, a verse that Jesus said comes to my mind. We've had two really great pastors, and Jesus had said these very words. For unto whomsoever much is given, unto him much shall be required. In other words, much is required of us by God and then to understand the calling of our pastor and being able to relate to that and make application to that. God didn't just give us two wonderful pastors for us just to sit there and go, well, we can enjoy them and being kind of like some trophy on the shelf and like living some, reliving some glory days as we're some child and we're like, well, look how this is. That's not exactly how God wants us to be operating. You see, what God would want from us is this is, I have, I, I believe it, that God directs who the men that he wants in churches, and I believe that God has done that, and with that, God is saying, okay, you then are very responsible then for the men that I have given to you. Though you went from one pastor to another pastor, and some of you are newly joined the church, and I would still say the same thing, you are just as much responsible whether you've been a member here for, for 20 plus years, or whether you've just been here for two or three weeks, we all have an equal responsibility as church members in, in our response to our pastors that God has given to us. You see, so when we look at, at this tonight, I want us to be challenged in this, in this that we have a responsibility as members both to the pastor 
and to the place where the pastor leads us. We have a great responsibility to that. So when I tell you tonight we're going to do a little bit of teaching, a little bit of preaching, and then we'll probably just get down to just talking like family members, all right? Because that's what we are. We're family members. And uh, so when we look at this portion of, of Scripture and what Peter is writing to us here, and what we must understand in 1 Peter and what the whole letter is about, if you go home and you would read it over, the one word that's going to come up all the time is the word suffering coming uh, in throughout this whole text uh, of the whole letter here. You're going to see the word suffering and being reviled, being persecuted, talking about judgment. All of these things will be mentioned throughout this text. And it's, and it's not so much that the suffering is a result of some physical ailment or something that they have going on in their lives. The result of it simply is this. The, what they are experiencing is, as Peter said, you are strangers and pilgrims in, in this world. In other words, when you get saved, you've switched citizenship here. Yes, you may live in the United States of America, but ultimately your citizenship is in heaven. You know, we sing the song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. But that is exactly, exactly true. Not to get, you know, tied down to this world because we are strangers and pilgrims passing through. And we are strangers not so much in the sense that we're even being foreigners, but the lives that God expects us to live is going to be foreign and different to those around us. And we make ourselves strange, not that we, we intentionally go out there and, and, and doctor ourselves up to, and to make a point about something. But just naturally, if you would live out your life for Jesus Christ, you are going to be a stranger. You are going to be different than the world around you. And the reality is, is that not everybody likes that. And what it does is it's not so much that they're against your values as much as as you shine as lights in this world, it reveals their own darkness. And darkness does not like light, and it comprehendeth it not, so it does not come into agreement with it. And that's where we find this conflict that arises. And so Peter gives a whole list of things that, about how we're to li live and act and beyond, uh, live and behave in this world. And it would be, again, I'd encourage you, this week, maybe read it over because it covers everything about being a law-abiding citizen to even submitting yourselves unto a government that you may not even agree with. It gives a whole lengthy conversation about how, how a, a woman can win her lost husband, but also the husband's not off the hook at the same time because he's given uh, instructions how to take care of his wife. You're given instructions about how you're to be on your job and how you're to love your neighbor and how you're to have good works. I mean, the thing is just chock full of practical things. But at the same time, though, there, this opposition that's going to be against that. And in the light of that backdrop, and in sandwiched in chapter number five, it's sandwiched between two parts that's dealing with suffering and suffering like Christ did. And in all of that, what we have here in chapter number five is this, is God is saying, you're going to need some help. You're going to need some help in all of this. If you are going to navigate this world that you live in, if you're going to be a stranger and pilgrim, follow what God's word says here, then you are going to then need to have help along the way. 
And God says, all right, I'm going to provide the help for, for what you need. Because Peter was definitely concerned that those that he was leaving behind would fall away by the wayside. And that even the people that men were, that were supposed to lead them would become discouraged and would leave. And so God gave this recipe here. And God said, I am going to give you help. You don't have to go this alone. And what God's provision for us is what we read here is the term elder that is as being used here. Now, we're not talking so much about some special, a uh, different special office when we like there's an elder and then there's some other kind of office and some kind of others. But it all is interchangeable with the word pastor because it's all being, all of the terms that we use in the New Testament for a pastor or that office of pastor are being used here. Because we use three different terms. We use the word elder, we use the word bishop, and we use the word pastor. And all three of them, whether you see it outwardly, black and white, or the words that are being translated, all of them are used here. And God is saying that uh, this office of elder then that we have here, it has a very important understanding and backdrop for us. And that they would have, uh, those that heard this term would have clearly understood it. Because they weren't thinking of elders as much as old people. But they were thinking about this. Do you know when elders got started? Do you know when it got started? It was when Moses came out of uh, Egypt leading three million people. Now I can only imagine, I know how much work it is for a pastor to, uh, to pastor a church this side. But could you imagine trying to be one man pastoring three million plus people? Man, I have a hard enough time watching tw 12 kids at my house, more or less three million people. And uh, man, he was busy night and day. I think this is where take a number and take a seat got started from, all right? And uh, because, I mean, he had a long line of people that wanted, that wanted to come to Moses. Well, my, my neighbor burnt down my bushes. What are you going to do about it, Moses? This guy's cow is in my yard again. What are you going to do about it? And little petty things like that. All day long, Moses had to take care of and thankfully, he had a wise father-in-law. Jethro came down to him. He says, Moses, you can have early ministry burnout if you don't do something different here. And he said, what you need to do is this. You need to figure out someone to take the load off your shoulders here. Because no man can do all of what you're at, uh, wanting, uh, all that you're doing right now. And so he said, what I want you to do is I want you to find, out, find some men. I don't want you to find any men. I want you to find some men that have a genuine walk in love with God. Men that are upright. Men that eschew evil. Men that know God's law. How to apply it. And not just to apply it in their lives. But be able to rightly divide it. And to apply it to somebody else's life. And so it wasn't so much based upon age. Though many of the men most likely were of an aged character. But really it was more upon the ages dealing primarily more with the character than it was actually the physical date that they were born. And so they were appointed, these men were appointed and they were divided out and Moses was able to, to do the work that God called him to do. But these men were then able to help Moses out in this kind of work. And this is the backdrop behind the uh, elder, and it carried all the way over into Jesus' day, because in the synagogues that they had, 
which would, in a sense, is almost like a little church where they were meeting. The elders were the ones that would be leading and, and making sure the services went right. They had the right person up there. They were in charge of, you could say, that little church. So that's the term elder and what, it, what it's coming from. And Peter is writing this exhortation then. He's saying these elders, these spiritual leaders, you need these kind of spiritual leaders. And he said, I know what you're going through. Because he said, I know the sufferings that you're going to go through and I know the importance for you to have these elders or have these men amongst you that can apply God's word that could help you out through these, for these difficult times. Because when you read throughout this, you get the very idea that Peter's rehashing the ministry and the time that he spent with the Lord using the word like shepherd and using uh, overseer and, uh, and those and the rewards and not being an overlord. All of those things would have went back to like Peter's time when the Lord taught them about not being ruling over your brothers and they're fighting amongst themselves. And what Peter was trying to get them to un understand is, yes, you, you need this, you need leadership. I was there uh, in the ministry of Christ. I witnessed what was going on. And if you know this story of, of the crucifixion of Christ, which we do know, that Christ, did he not tell them right before he was crucified? He said, uh, you know what, I'm going to be put to death. And Peter's like, ah, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to run away from you. And he said, oh, yes, you are. No, I don't. I bet you on that one. I bet you a case of pop on that one. But the Lord said, you will. You'll forsake me. And he said, remember, this night is going to be fulfilled in your ears. That smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And he was smitten. The Lord Jesus Christ was. And the sheep did scatter. And they were afraid, timid bunch of believers. They were. Because the next time you find them all huddled together, really is when they're behind closed doors, the doors locked, I could about imagine that the lights were turned down low, and if they had blinds on their windows, they would have just opened them up about that far to see who was pulling up, whether it was an Uber driver or whether it was someone from the court system. Because they were scared to death. And the Lord just had to pass through the door to even just get to them, because they didn't give them the key. But the fact of the matter is, Peter said, I know what it's like. You're going to need somebody to lead you. Because I know from personal experience, when that shepherd is smitten and you're left on your, all on your own without leadership, it's not a fun place to find, your, find yourself in. And so what Peter is saying then to us really applies clearly to us because without a shepherd or in this case, what is oftentimes as an under shepherd or an elder to lead and to guide us, we are in just as much of a predicament. See, I look at it as the way when Christ looked at the multitude. When Christ looked at the multitude, he looked at them as sheep being scattered without a shepherd. In other words, without the right leadership and without the right direction, without the right uh, guidance in our life as believers, as mature as you think you are, the reality is if you don't have that leadership in your life, you're finding yourselves in a very great uh, place of danger. And so Peter is saying, I'm exhorting you. And he's exhorting these elders. He's saying, you need to be faithful to this charge because of what the people need behind you. And the significance of the leadership 
of these elders is revealed in the in the terminology and what is being written here. Because look in verse number two. He says that these elders are to, to feed the flock of God. In other words, they're to shepherd. They're to shepherd the flock. They're to feed the flock of God. And when we talk about feeding the flock of God, it is talking about just the overall care of the flock. It really is. Because Psalm 23 is a wonderful psalm. And it's, more, it's better than just that at funeral, all right? Because that first verse of Psalm 23 is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I shall not want means I shall not lack anything. And you read the rest of Psalm 23 and you're like, Wow, I'm really in a good shape here because of the shepherding power that he has because he protects and he leads and he guides and he, and he takes oversight and he cares for us. And it's saying here then that these elders, they are to feed the flock of God like as a shepherd would watch over his sheep. And Peter would have known John chapter number 10 when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And he was, uh, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He's not like a thief or a hireling that when a thief comes to do damage and a hireling will run when danger comes. And he's saying, that's not so with the elder. He, he is a shepherd of the people. In other words, he doesn't flee when danger comes. And praise the Lord, you don't want a shepherd that's going to run when the going gets tough. He's going to dig his heels in a little bit. He's going to hold his ground and he's going to stand up for his sheep. You want, you want a shepherd that's going to, that's going to protect and that's going to care for you because I mean you look at David in the in the Bible he had a sling and a couple stones the reason why he had a sling and stones with him wasn't because he was out breaking windows it's because he knew how to take care of the sheep that were entrusted to him by his father that's why he had it with him and so they're the shepherd and he said they're there to feed the flock of God and primarily when it comes to caring and protecting the uh his sheep a shepherd is, is this a pastor or an elder or a shepherd will use the word of God to feed his people. R- really, he will. If, if, if there is a wide dearth of spiritual immaturity in the church, many times it's a result of a dearth from the preaching that's coming from the pulpit. I mean, I know that's a strong statement, but really it's true. It's easy to blame everybody else, but sometimes you have to look at what's being fed. And you see, a pastor will learn to take God's word, open it up, rightly divide it, apply it, and make application to it. He is going to be instant in season and out of season. He's going to be able to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering. That's all in the Bible. So he's going to, so the the elder then is appointed to feed uh, and to shepherd. But notice this also. He said, uh, in verse uh, number two, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, uh, not by constraint, but willingly, uh, not by filthy looker, but of a ready mind, but taking the word oversight. Now there's the other term for a pastor in the Bible. It says oversight, but the word oversight is the same word that the bishop comes from. Bishop and oversight are the same words here. In other words, 
the, so the elder of the pastor is supposed to feed and protect, use the word of God, but he's going to take oversight of the flock. He is going to make sure that he, that he oversees the affairs of, of the church, how it functions, and in the lives of those that he is over. That's part of the job of the shepherd. We watch these things in Shepherds on the Hillside. But you, I've, if you've ever had a chance to read a Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, you need to do that sometime. It's a great book, and it'll give you some great insights. And a shepherd would have his crook, not just so he'd make a good picture that you could hang on the wall, but it was there that he would, they would pass under his crook the whole time. And what he was doing is he was looking for illnesses, he was looking for sicknesses, and that he would call out sheep if they had problems so that he could care for them and help them out so they could be brought back to health and be a healthy and have a healthy flock. You see, that's the kind of oversight. One that, that uh, is not so much meddling as much as he's saying, hey, I'm concerned about some things. This needs to be corrected. This needs to be dealt with. Hey, do you, you may not see this because many times it's hard to tell if a sheep had an infection on its own nose because most sheep don't know how to use a mirror. So you're probably going to have to have a shepherd to help you out, Right? And there will be things in the lives of these believers that Peter said, I know you're not going to be able to see and be able to identify, be able to take care of. But if you have an elder who is a shepherd that oversees you, now you're in good shape. Because you don't want to become sick and weakly to a world that is hostile to you. Don't want to do that. And so the elders have that responsibility then of also taking the oversight. And really, they have the responsibility to take a stand. You see, throughout the Bible, I'm thankful there's stories of godly men who stood up and took a stand and, and led God's people. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about Israel tonight is because of Moses. Really, it is. Because God was ready to destroy. Because they, and they were ready. They deserved it. They just got let out of, the, out of Egypt there. And what did they first go do? They built these golden calves and said, these, this be the God that brought us out of here. And you have someone like Aaron said, oh, I don't know how this thing came to be. I threw earrings in the fire and this thing just jumped out. I just don't know. But I thought, hey, we got it. Why not use it? God wasn't very happy with that. And God, God was ready to destroy and wipe out that lot. And he would do it. He'd be, there's also in the rebellion against Korah, he was about ready to do it one more time. But Moses, I love it. But Moses stood there in the gap the whole time and said, God, you can't do this. And he stood up for his people. So the fact is that God is looking for men who will stand up, those men that will take a stand uh, for his flock, for his people, and, uh, and not just that, but men that will take a stand, but not for what they can get out of it. Not for filthy lucre, not of constraint, in other words, they enjoy this. They take it on themselves. They take on the hardships of, of a shepherd. They're not in it to, to make money. They're not in it to sit there and go, well, how much, how much can they give to me? But there, is, there, is there a need? Is there a people? And can I help those people out? That's what it's about. And it says this, that they're not looking for monetary rewards. They are looking at eternal rewards. That's their motivation. Their motivation isn't, what can the church do for me? But what is Christ going to do as a result of my labor? And that's really what it is. 
They look to that very thing. And this is what Peter is talking about. Men that that God will raise up and call men. Men who will apply God's word, help people out, sacrifice. Men that will do it willingly. You don't have to force them. You don't have to coerce them. You don't even have to pay them, but you should, and we're going to get into that. But men that will be willing to just sacrifice and spill themselves out for God and let God take care of the rest. That's what it is. And it's like when I was in Bible college, God may be calling even somebody here. And you, and you may say, well, you know, that's, uh, that's just a young man's thing. I, I, don't, I don't buy that. I even believe that God could call you in the ministry if you're full of, full of gray hairs and well in age. Or no hair at all and call you, and call you, you know? But I'm telling you, age is not, age isn't a requirement for a calling. Samuel was called and used of God at beginning at a very young age. But I just read in my Bible reading of Zacharias and Elizabeth in Luke chapter number one. And Zacharias has just faithfully served in the temple all the time before God raised them up to do something miraculous by bringing in John the Baptist into the world. Two men on opposite ends of the spectrum, but both were used of God. And I believe that God's calling and God's working and God wants to raise some men up in our own church to preach his word, to shepherd other people, to sacrifice and quit living for themselves, but living for other people. I believe that totally. We, uh, I don't know how it was like this for you at Bible college, but in our practice preaching class, I think it was that, or my homiletics class, we would sing every, every day we had class this song, it said, rise up, O men of God, who have done with lesser things, put heart and mind and soul and strength. And I don't have it all memorized, but I just remember that line over and over again. Rise up, O men of God. Then it goes on to later on say, the church is, is lacking its strength and it needs some men who will rise up. Our answer for a woke culture isn't referendums passed by our government but it's by God-called men who will take a stand and lead his people through these, uh, what I would call dark, uncharted waters of some ungodliness that's taking place right now. And God wants to use you. God looks at the potential of the men in this room and saying, I can use that. I can absolutely use that. And he's, he is, I believe, calling some people for that. And so when you look at all of this together, and you, and you think about, here's the calling. We can identify what's going on. I believe that God's calling some people. And I start holding this checklist up to our pastor. And, and I will just narrow it down now for our current pastor, all right? And uh, so we know where we're standing at in all of this. I think it behooves us to sit there and take this list and put it up against our pastors. Is that not right? Certainly it is. And last time I checked, if he's a pastor, he's an elder, he's an overseer of, of our church. He's all of those things. And I think it would do right. And I am kind of thankful that he isn't here tonight so we can just have this church meeting, right? Because I think we can hold, hold this up to him. Do we look at him? Would you say that he is shepherding this flock? Is he watching over us? Is he protecting us? Is, is, he, is he feeding us from the word of God? And I would give a hearty amen to feeding us with, with the word of God. I, I, I mean, 
I, I know where he went to school. I know who he is taught by. I know who he worked under in Stillwater. I, I know this lineage, and I know where he came from. I'm telling you this. If you haven't figured it out yet, you're getting very, very solid, godly preaching. And I would even go beyond solid. We, we are getting some mighty, mighty things from the church. And I, and I just tell you that if you're not coming to the, and hearing the messages, I, I'm telling you, you're not in a good spot. But would you agree with me that we're being shepherded and fed by our, our, by our pastor right now? Amen. Certainly, I would think that. Do you think he's properly taking the oversight of all the affairs, affairs of this church? I, I would think so. You know, you want to know one of the things I notice all the time? I don't need to know all the, all the mechanics behind the scenes. You know how you should know that our pastor is taking the oversight? is he's concerned if there's even one scrap of paper out on the carpet outside. I see people pass by scraps of paper and dirt in this church all the time. But our pastor knows it, notices that. Hey, we cleaned the auditorium there, and I thought, man, we're doing a good job. And he's just like, and he told Brother Samuel, there's some dirt in the crevice of one of these, one of these benches. Like, good night, what are you doing? You got a magnifying glass or what? But, you know, part of me wants to recoil at that thought. But the other part of me says, I'm thankful because we have a pastor that clearly is, is showing an oversight of what he's been entrusted to. That he's entrusted to the people, but also the facilities and everything that God's placed underneath him. So would you look at his life and say, well, I think he's, I think he's taking the oversight. Amen. Most certainly. Okay. Do you think he just came to Eastside Baptist Church because he could see the amount that was in the offerings that was, that was given, that he thought, well, this is going to be a pretty good handout. I think this church could do this for me, and it could support my family, and, uh, and I think they got some health insurance and some other stuff to go along with it. That's the church that I want for it. Can I tell you this? I know that's not the case, because I do have a little insight of what was going on before he ever came here. I just know, I just know this. I don't think he's preaching for money. I mean, I don't think he's opposed to it if you gave him some. But he's not preaching for it either. So would you say that he's for filthy lucre? I, I don't think so. Do you think he's forced? Do you feel that he's forced to come up here and that he feels forced to come to church, forced to serve us, forced to come? Oh, I got to do four messages. You ever get that feeling that he, that he comes across that way? I think he likes it. I just got this strange feeling he really enjoys coming to church and really enjoys the ministry that God has given to him. Do you, would you agree with that? So when I'm going through, when I'm going through all this list, and, and as far as I can tell by, by his testimony and even what I was saying here, is he an end sample to the flock? Most definitely. Would you say that he's going for earthly rewards or is he trying to go for heavenly rewards? I'm saying yes, he's going for all those things. So I think we're pretty much on the same page saying, I think we found ourselves a pastor. I think we have an elder. I think this is the guy for the job. I, and I know he is. So then it comes then to this fact. If, um, if he is, and you agree with me, it means that you have a great responsibility in your life then. If you agree to all those things that God says, all right, I've given you an elder. He's going to protect you. He's going to lead you. He's going to 
guide you and chart you through these waters, these dark waters that we're in. He's going to do all these things for you. That means then that you're responsible because God gave this to us, for us, and for our benefit. You see, as kids, we played this very complex game at our house, and maybe you've played it too. It's called Follow the Leader. Do you ever play that? Man, that, that can get dicey sometimes, you know. I mean, they, they take you through some things. And uh, if, you're, if you're the leader, I mean, you deliberately contort the other children behind you. you don't you? You're just like, well, let's see if you can go through this. You ever gone through a briar patch? We'll go through one of those just to see if you can make it. You know, but they'll play follow the leader. I mean, it can be a, it can be a tough game. Going places probably like, that's not where I would want to go. But as we have a responsibility as God's people and, and, and the members of this church to follow our leader. Regardless if it's through a briar patch, regardless if it's somewhere where we may not in our own selves would like to place ourselves. But we need to learn to follow him. And knowing this tremendous call that God has placed on the pastor, then what uh, means this responsibility to follow him, really what it comes down to, what, what should this responsibility ultimately look like in my, in my life? If I'm going to be responsible to my pastor because clearly... God has given to us something that we, if it's as great as what God says it is, and it is, then we are responsible for it. Well, I believe this. One is, we need to uh, protect him. We need to protect him in the sense that we need to protect him in the use of his time. He's got a lot of people, and he's got a limited amount of time. And that's no excuse but if you think you need to tie him up for, for four hours at a, at a time just talking to him about how the grass is growing in your yard and how you use blue Kentucky grass or whatever, I'm telling you, there may be a better use of the pastor's time. I'm just, I'm just saying that. Or how your dog ran away and you had to chase him for four blocks and you just keep going on and on and on and on about it. Not that he's not concerned about your problems, but do you understand? There may be more pressing issues that he has to deal with than, than, than your dog, okay? And I'm sure he's got some sympathy that your dog ran away, but the fact of the matter is you need to be careful how you use your pastor's time because it's, because it's precious. You need to protect your pastor from slander and gossip. You know, and that, that, there's a terrible joke out there, but maybe you've heard it before. What'd you have for, for Sunday lunch? We had a roast preacher. But you know what? The fact of the matter is you need to cut people off. And you need to not be one of those people that slanders your pastor or gossip or, or, or maybe belittle or take him down a notch or two like it's your ministry. You have a responsibility to, to protect your pastor. I remember years ago when Pastor Spencer was here and someone came up to me. I came back from Bible college and they wanted to say something. And I said, well, let's go talk to pastor about it. Well, that pretty much ended our whole conversation because I didn't want to hear it, and I wanted to protect my preacher, because I'd rather hear it from him than from somebody else if what he's saying is true. But as far as I knew, he was still the man of God that I've always known him to be. He was still my pastor. I wasn't going to listen to it, because I want to protect my pastor. We have a responsibility, not like we're martyring ourselves for a pastor, like we're some kind of religious fanatic cult, but the fact of the matter is we need to protect our pastor. I mean, his reputation, and I would even say protect his family also at, at the same time. 
holding, well, I can't believe the pastor's kids did that. Well, they're just like kids like everybody else. And like, just go up to them and go, and your kids never messed up at all, did they? Wonderful. Protect your pastor and his family. And I believe this, then we need to learn to praise and encourage our pastor. He needs to be praised and, and, and encouraged. Because last time I checked, he was a like man, just like each and every one of us. We're made out of the same substance. How many of you have ever been discouraged by something in your life? I bet you all been discouraged by something. Someone, I met expectation. Someone saying something that maybe didn't even mean to be cruel, but came across as cruel and your feelings get hurt. Those things happen. I'm just telling you, I've been on the receiving end of this. I'm not just making stuff up. We need to be an encouragement and praise to your pastor. You really do. You know what? It's all right to go up to him and and sincerely say, you know what? I'm thankful. That was a good message. But don't just tell him it's a good message. You said this, and this is what's going on in my life. I applied it, and this is what God did for me in my life since I've been doing what you told in this message. I'm going to tell you this. I mean, he will be ecstatic. I mean, he'll cut a rug and run around the church. I'm just, I'm just telling you, you need to be an encouragement. Praise your pastor. Man, if you're, we have a, that church planning conference, there's other preachers around. You know what? It'd be all right for you to go up and go, this is my pastor. I'm really thankful that he's my pastor. Should I do that in front of other preachers? Well, why not? I'd rather be annoying and interrupted somebody because I was praising my pastor than have, being annoying for other reasons. And I'm really good at being annoying for other reasons. Trust me. But I'd rather be annoying because I'm trying to, trying to praise my pastor. But I want to, want to encourage him also at the same time. Most, most certainly. And we also need to do this. Um, we need to learn to respond to him. I wrote down respond to him like a, like a parent would, would expect from his child. See, when, I, when, I, when my, I try to teach my children this, I know I'm not perfect. And they're like, I know he's not. But really, my expectations are many times is I don't really have a lot of time to sit there and explain to you the nuts and bolts of why we're doing what we're doing. What I need you to do is just simply put some trust in me that I'm doing what I feel that God wants us to be doing. And we're going this direction in our lives. And uh, it gets harder when they become teenagers. But they need to learn that lesson that I just need you to do and trust my leadership in your life. And you know what? We need to learn to develop that kind of relationship with our pastor because if he's everything that we just agreed to that he is, then why can't we yield that kind of trust to him in his, in his leadership? Because it is altogether possible. Have you ever seen things ahead that your children never saw? No, I have. And, uh, and the fact of the matter is the pastor may have gotten some kind of leading by God that he's seeing something that you're not seeing because you're not the pastor and that you need to trust his decisions because they're normally going to a spot that we need to be at. And you need to learn, you need to learn to do that. You need to provide for him. You see, it said, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those that labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt muzzle the ox... Uh, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. The laborer is worthy of his reward. By honoring him 
It means exactly what it's talking about. Monetarily, he needs to be, he needs to be taken care of. A normal paycheck. I mean, he's working hard. And I'm just telling you this, it's hard work studying and then everything else on top of that and preaching a message. I've heard it said that one hour of preaching is like eight hours of nervous energy. In other words, preaching for one hour is like working for eight hours at a normal job. I believe it because I've been spent before after I get done preaching. You see, we need to provide for him. He's working hard, but I also would say provide for him, not just a paycheck, but it would be all right to have extra funds and things set up for him because he shouldn't have to ever buy any book ever at this church. If he wants a book, we just have a book fund for him. And we just have money set aside. You need that book, you need that literature, you don't you ever pay for a book. Because we got that covered. We, we need to have things. We need to provide. If you want your pastor to be sharp, you want to provide all of those things for him. If that's what it's going to take, we're going to provide that for you. We, we've uh, made the choice to let him have a, another week off, and I'm thankful that he accepted that very thing. But that's providing for your, for your pastor. He might have a hobby or recreation. Let him do it. Provide some time for him to do that because that is just as much sharpening him for the ministry as also sitting privately in his, in his room. He's got to learn also to unwind and enjoy his life so he can also come and provide his life for us. We need to provide for him. Then I think this, that not only do we need to provide for him, but we need to persevere with him. See, he goes through trials and afflictions just like every one of us do. And I'm not saying it's happening now, but it'd be easy to question some things. Well, where pastor's gone all the time. Where's he at? And all those type of things. Instead of just asking him where he's at all the time, he's like, I don't know. But if he's not here, there's probably a really good reason why he's not here. And you know what? I'm going to stick with him throughout this whole thing. I'm not, I'm not going to jump ship on this whole thing. I'm just going to roll harder. I'm just going to grab an oar. I'm just going to stick with this thing. I'm just going to keep rolling. I'm going to just keep plugging away. And I'm just going to be with him, with him the, the whole time. I don't want my name to go down like some of those men that Paul wrote about in the New Testament that is like, well, these guys, they were with me, but now they've forsaken me. Like, Demas hath forsaken me. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a Demas. I want, I want to, I'm like, my pastor is going down we're just going to go down together. We'll just drown together. But we'll have fun at it, right? Well, misery loves company, so we'll just go down together, all right? But that should be our, that should be our philosophy. We're not going to jump ship on our pastor. Hey, you going through something? We're going to go through it with you. We're not going to let you bear this burden alone. Because we're going to be, we're going to be there for you. And I would say tonight, we need to be creative and how we can help and promote and encourage our our pastor you need to be creative i mean we're i have something you know we're doing things for our pastor and being being creative but i was just even thinking as i was studying for this message and it just came up what happened if we just did a thank you card drive everyone just mailed them thank you cards imagine having a stack of thank you cards in the mail not just slide them under his door but you went down the mailbox and you had all these thank you cards in there and not sending text 
but actually where they can see your handwriting no matter how poor it is because there's a major difference between typing something out and actually giving somebody a handwritten note. A major, major difference because that says, I took time out of my day because I appreciate you so much that I wrote this letter and I just didn't quick slap it together on a computer screen and print it off and gave it to you. See, be creative. What ways can I do in my life? What, what can I be doing to be a support and a help to my, to my pastor because I have that responsibility? It's not the guy sitting next to you in church. You all have a, if you are in the membership role of Eastside Baptist Church, you have this responsibility and God's going to hold you to that responsibility because too much is given, much is required. He's not looking for minimal participation. We should be having 100% participation in all of this. And I will say this, that God wants us to be responsible to the man who leads us, but also the place where he leads us from, the, the church. Because you know what? I know it, and I've seen it. There's some nights you can tell that pastor is not very excited about the lack of participation on Wednesday night. And it is true. Isn't that sad that some of the worst services we have at this church are on Wednesday nights? And you say, well, I'm not regular. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just merely saying that some of the worst participation we have is on Wednesday night. You want to be an encouragement to your preacher? You just show up for every single church service. So then when you're not there, he he knows that something real is going on, that there's a real reason why you're not at church. But you want to be a real encouragement, stay plugged in. You're here for every single service. You volunteer for everything. I don't even care if you're not qualified for it. Because he'll just tell you no, but he knows this one thing that you're willing and you're ready to do whatever it is, I'm ready to help out. I mean, I, I volunteer for stuff that I have no business volunteering for. But you know what I want to do? My, my goal is always go to pastor whatever you need help with. Whatever it is, I, I, don't, I don't care. Thank you for letting me help you out. You see, I love it when he asks me to preach, not be so much that I get to preach up here, as much as, is it helping you out? Then I'm going to help you out. That's the reason why I'm doing it. Did I have a long week this week? Most certainly I did. A lot of people had long weeks this week. But the reason why I didn't say no to when Brother Chad texted me is because we're trying to help pastor out. And uh, I figure a bad message would be better than saying no because at least I'm trying to help my pastor out better than if he's asked you or he's got to go find you. Do you see? If you're going to be an encouragement and you want to help your pastor out, I mean, you just get plugged into the program. I mean, you just sign up, sign up for everything. I mean, when they had that sign-up sheet, we had, what was that, like seven, eight, ten pages of everything out there. You should have just put your name on it with an arrow that just went straight across. Well, I can't go to the men's retreat because I'm a lady. I don't care. Just put your name down. You know what I'm saying? Just sign up for everything. At least they know you're willing. At least they know you're excited. I'm going to be plugged into this thing. I mean, maybe they'll change the standards someday. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll have a ladies' section. I don't know. But, but anyways. So we've been given a great responsibility. I, I, I certainly believe that. These believers, God gave them elders or pastors to lead them and guide them and circumvent them 
or make them through this world. And God's given all of us pastors, from these young teenagers here to some of the older adults, if you're saved in the membership role, God's giving you a great, great pastor. And we have a responsibility to that. And I look at it kind of like this. As we come to the end here, you know, I've watched movies, and I'm sure you have too, and you see at the end of the movie all the, the credits rolling up at the end of the movie, and maybe you're one of those people that have never seen that, but just in case if you had, you ever notice that the people that play the most prominent roles in the movie are the first ones listed, and then the lesser roles go further down about the actors? You ever notice that? Like if you're a main one, you're at the top. I'm wondering... Like if we died, if we all died right now, and the credits just started rolling about our lives, and it started revealing things that were important to us, what we valued, what we put our energies into, what we, we really cared about, would the pastor be at the top of the credit list? Would it be up there at the top? That's what makes me wonder, where is my job, or maybe a, some relationship, maybe it just... I'm just, just, just coasting through like the coastal line. I don't know. But I would want to think in my, my own heart, I don't want my relationship to, with my pastor to be way down at the bottom with, with the guy that was holding the microphone boom. And he's like, he's like five minutes into the credits, right? I want him to be first thing. There's pastor right there at the top. And I would hope and pray to God that you would want the pastor to be at the top in your life. You see, tonight we're going to have an altar call here in a minute. And really my, my challenge to you in the altar call tonight is, you know, is probably a couple things. Maybe you look at your own heart and your own life and you say, you know what? I really have had some, some things, some gripes in my own heart against our pastor. We're human beings. You don't have to confess it out loud. That's between you and God, and it's in your heart. And maybe you're like that. And maybe tonight's the night where you just say, God, you know what? I'm going to surrender that to you, and I'm going to put my trust in the man that you've given to us to lead. And instead of holding this against him, I'm going to use my strength to hold him up, just like the men that held up Moses' arms when they were in the battle. I'm going to be that person. I'm not going to hold it against my pastor. I'm going to forgive him. And I'm going to surrender to do whatever I can for my pastor. And it may be tonight that you just, I would encourage you, because we've been talking about praying for a pastor, I'd encourage you to, to come forward. I would encourage you, if you have a family, to get your family together and make some visible effort to get yourself huddled together. I don't care where it's at in this room. And you let your children hear you pray for your pastor. And, let, and then ask God, you pray and thank God for your pastor, and then you ask God, what is it more that I can do for my pastor? Because you may already say, I'm already doing a lot for this church, and I'm already doing a lot for the pastor. I'm guessing if you have the humility to ask God, what more can I do? There's an answer to that question. And wherever you're at, there's still something more left for you to do for your pastor. And get your family together, get your spouse together, and you huddle together and you say, God, I thank you. You have given me a godly leader in my life. And I thank you 
from the bottom of my heart that I don't have to, when my family goes through a problem, when I'm struggling in my marriage, I've got somebody I can talk to. When I can't overcome this stronghold in my life, I have someone I can confide in. When I'm there and I'm crying and I'm breaking, my heart is breaking, and even as guys, you can cry, it's okay. And your heart can break. That there is someone you can cry to. There's someone you can laugh with. You should thank God for that. And then say, God, now what more can I do? Because I realize my responsibility tonight. You have given me something that's an invaluable treasure that's without measure. And God, may my love and sacrifice for God, for my pastor, be without measure and reveal to me what it is. And maybe he'll speak to you right in here and now and he'll say, this is what you need to do. But maybe you need to keep praying that because one day God may say, this is what I need you to do. This is what I need you to volunteer for. This is where I, where I want to bring you so you can help your pastor out. All right, let's go ahead and stand. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.